Caution. <laughs> Pull the top and glasses loose and move easily. Do not grab or pull. It will be repaired soon. That's what I was just greeted with up here. Now, Maggie's getting the sound a little. It's a little hot in the. Uh, that's better. Is that better? OK. Second order of business. Is the glare bothering anyone from my head? They can tone these lights down. Oh, thanks, Rhonda. I'm kidding, Maggie. She's toning, she's toning the lights down. I get no respect. Because I'm used to it. So there you go. I want to first off, I want to uh, just wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day um, and all the kids. You should uh, in some way at least reflect upon your dad if he's no longer with us uh, and uh, reach out to him and uh, wish him a happy Father's Day. If they are That's our responsibility on this day, you know, moms do so much for the kids. I know in my own personal experience. Uh, for many years, as, as uh, my kids were growing up, I was out of town a lot on business. That's what I did. I was gone maybe four months out of the year, Monday through Friday. So as well as my sons turned out, I give most of that credit to my lovely wife, even though my boys did wish me happy Father's Day today, uh, especially my son, Eric, who talked about you know beating the stick straight. I'm not sure exactly what he meant by that, but uh, the kids, the other two boys gave me a new baseball bat. So you put the two together and you figure that one out. Uh, If you look in your bulletin, I did give you a handout. There's really nothing to write on, uh, but it's, it's in regards to the topic of the sermon this morning, which is knowing God's will for your life. Um. It's something you should take home. Uh, some of the, the, the things I'm going to be sharing with you today uh, are going to come will be as part of that, what you've received there. Uh, and it's just a good reference to help us remind ourselves that uh, we're not in this alone, that God is with us. God watches over us uh, and God wants what's best for us. Um, you know, knowing God's will for our life, you know, one of the first things many new Christians want to know when they come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and personal Savior is uh, and they start their new journey in their Christian faith that they want to know what is God's will for my life? Or how do I discover what God's will is for me? You know, sometimes uh, there, you know, some, there are tests out there to determine what God's will for you or determine your spiritual gifts. There's a variety of things. Uh, there's lots of ways to try to figure this out. Uh, but there's really only one way, and we're going to touch on that today. Uh, as I was putting this together, I started to think, you know, as, as uh, many new Christians want to know, it got me thinking about old-timer Christians like myself, people who look like me or people who have uh, known that Christ is their Savior for decades. Uh, they, we attend church. We go to Sunday school. Uh, we hang out with Christian friends mostly. We're involved in things. But... There's a lot of Christians out there, I believe, that stop wondering or stop seeking or uh, put uh, put uh, what God's will for their life is in the back burner. Uh, They go through motions. They go through a daily routine. uh, And then pretty soon that daily routine uh, might really not be in what in, in accordance to what God really wants for them to be involved in. But because it's become a daily routine, uh, they continue to live that life in the assurance that they are God's will, because after all, they did accept Jesus and they're saved. But if you want to know what uh, and understand what is meant by God's will from a biblical perspective, 
this is where we start. First, the Bible portrays two aspects of God's will, God's sovereign will and God's commanded will. And his sovereign will covers all aspects of creation and of time. And his and his commanded will is that which he legislates to his people by his by his word. And that's found in the Bible. So let's look, let's first look at God's sovereign will. It involves his total and complete control over everything. Again, his complete control over everything. This bothers uh, uh, secular people. The fact that God is in control of all things. They don't like it. Uh, and they don't like and many of them don't like the idea that he's not only that. that well, Thomas Jefferson, for example, was a deist. So when they talk about that, all our founding fathers were Christian, that's not necessarily true. Thomas Jefferson, among others, were a part of what they called the Enlightenment era, uh, Enlightenment era of the time. And they were deists. And deism has a belief that, that, that God exists. God created the heavens and the earth. And then he took a vacation. He just left the building like Elvis. He's not involved. So as he, he, he made the creation, he set it in motion, and then he just sort of just walked away. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we have an active living God that not only created the heavens and the earth, but it's all in accordance to his active will, which is, which is active today. Isaiah, God spoke to Isaiah in the 14th chapter and the 21st verse and said, surely just as I have intended, so it has happened. And just as I have planned it, so it will be. Now, since God created all things, he is above all things. He's in all things and he's in control of all things. Just to throw a little a little bit more scripture on top of that. God said, I have intended it. That's his will. And it happened. Because when God says it is, and as I planned it, meaning the future things, it's going to be. God is telling Isaiah with that bit of scripture there that I didn't just create this world. I didn't just set it in motion, but I planned it. I planned yesterday. I planned today and I plan tomorrow. God is in control. In Ephesians 1, 1, we find that God works all things after the counsel of his will. Or as we read in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, I am God and there is no one like me. My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Accomplish, uh, I, I will accomplish is, is a future tense phrase. He's talking about not just about I accomplished. He didn't say I accomplished it and walked away. He says I will accomplish, I am accomplishing it. I will accomplish it. Again, future tense. So God is still active today. Now, the nature of God's sovereign will can be broken down into five points. First, and this bothers people, it's secret. It's not only to God when he decides to reveal it. And because God is sovereign, he might never reveal it to us. Pray as you might, worry as you might, fret as you might, ask as you might. God's sovereign uh, nature uh, and, and his plan is secret. It's known only to God. Number two, it cannot be resisted or thwarted. God put it into motion. It's not going to get stopped. God planned it. The plan is set in concrete. 
Thinking we can is the hubris of man. It's like building the Tower of Babel. The group of the of human humankind came together and said, let's build a tower to reach up to God. And there they began the process. Well, we know how that story ended out. We could no, they could no longer reach man by building a tower than man can control what the weather is going to do next week. God is in control. God is in control of all things. According to his sovereign plan. God's sovereign will also encompasses both good and evil, which is sin. This concept is the problem for the God is love crowd. You see, they come around and they say, well, God is love. So how can God condemn anyone to hell? So there must ergo, there must not be a hell because God is love. Well, God is a lot of things. He's also a God of judgment. And God is sovereign, so God can do whatever God wants to do, regardless of what we think he should do. People struggle with that. Sovereign man does not like that. Because man wants to be in control. God's sovereign rule is comprehensive. It controls all aspects of life, time and history. Again, something we can't truly grasp. And with our finite minds, we can't grasp it. It's interesting. Uh, I've shared this with other people. Um, uh, Stephen Hawking, who is a noted scientist, wrote a book called The Grand Design. What scientists have finally come to the realization of is that when they look at the universe, they look at the galaxy and they they run mathematical equations on it and they map it and they do all of these things trying to figure out how everything came to be. They came to one startling conclusion that everything is in a grand design. Now, we can call it a variety of things. Christians, we just simply call it God's creation. He spoke. It was. And there it is. And that's how it happened. But they came to this conclusion that the universe and and all of creation has a certain order to it. And the, and the order is perfect in how it, how it works. There's perfection in the creation or what they like to call the Big Bang. But because man thinks he knows more than he does. And can't grasp the fact that a living God actually created it. They came up with this hypothesis that this grand design came from chaos and that matter came from nothing. Now, it doesn't take a, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that makes no logical sense. But that's what they posit. That's what they say. They don't like the idea that a God can control all aspects of life and time and history. Number five, and the believer is not commanded to know or to discover what God has not revealed. So demanding answers will never you, you will never receive is just a waste of time. Don't believe me. Read the back chapters of Job. Job put up with a lot. He was he was really a, he, he suffered. And his friends all told him, you should rise up and curse God. And he didn't. But eventually, Job, like all of us, you know, pretty much had had his fill and he pretty much had had it. And, you know, he just so he went up and he, and he shook his fist at God and he, and he was demanding answers. And I'm sure all of us in this room at one time or another got angry, or upset about something and then decided we were going to demand answers of God. Maybe not all of you, but some of us have. I call it the why me 
Why me, Lord? And what was God's answer to Job? Where were you? Where were you when I set the foundations of the world? And then he goes on with a laundry list of questions for Job. You're asking me questions? Well, let me ask you some questions. And after it was all over, Job felt about a silly millimeter high. So we're not commanded to know and discover what God has is, is not revealed to us. So don't bother to try. If God wants to reveal something to, to, to his people, he will. But I believe he already has. So in regards to God's sovereign will, we should be comforted in the knowledge that as we read in Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we shouldn't focus on God's sovereign will for us or his creation. These things are under his control. And nothing we can do can alter God's course. We just need to have faith that all things will work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We should trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. We should in all ways acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. Which then brings us to God's commanded will. This is where the rubber meets the road for Christians. When the new Christian asks that question, what is God's will for my life? He or she needs to seek out his will for them. uh, That is revealed throughout the Bible or as laws or guidelines for Christian living. You want to know what God's will is is for your life? It's 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 contained in the scriptures. It's all there. It's a map. It's a blueprint. But for many, there is a general confusion about this. There are some people who think that God is somehow reluctant to let us know his will because he gets some kind of strange pleasure out of hiding it. So we go through the life sort of like we're in a divine lottery where we hope that the, that uh, uh, that we get the lucky ticket and that God is is basically scratchers uh, and maybe uh, we're going to get the right number this time. It doesn't work that way. Or that somehow God is gleeful about the fact that it's limited to just select a few. Nothing could be further from the truth. Then there are those who are waiting for God to speak to them. We've all heard certain TV preachers who start out their sermon with, God spoke to me today. And then go on to share the word for word uh, command they personally received from the Lord. God does not reveal himself that way anymore. He does not talk to us in an audible voice. If you're hearing voices in your head, they're not coming from God. Sorry. And then there are others who will tell us we need to wait. Be still. And God will give us direction. All you need to do is have a paper and a pen ready to write down whatever divine revelation God is going to give you. Maybe make a book, sell a lot of copies, go on speaking tours. But then again, if you feel moved to write stuff down, don't think it came from God. It didn't. This is not how God commands his church today. The nature of God's commanded will can be summed up in five points. The first five points you have in, in that in the second five points, they're right there, too. You can follow along first. 
God's will for us is revealed in the Bible. Period. End of discussion. That's where it's at. Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen says all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof and for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, no one understand that it says, you know, the scripture we as Christians are not under the Old Testament. We're under the New Testament where we are under grace. So if you're talking with someone and they say, well, you're under some kind of law and they start quoting Levitican law, how we should stone certain people the Bible's as Christians, it's not talking about us. We're commanded to love. His command will be and this is and this is one his command, his commanded will can be resisted or disobeyed. Well, if you've been a Christian for any time at all, you already know that that's true. Because more than likely, we've already done it more than once, twice. Or if you're like me, I lost count years ago. In First Peter uh, 2, Peter tells us that we stumble because we disobey the message. Again, God's will is, is, is encapsulated in, in, in the teachings of the New Testament for us. A pattern of a pattern of living of how we should live our lives. There's the message. We ignore the message. And, and Peter says, what happens? We stumble. So when you're stumbling around in your life, the reason for it is quite simple. You're not in the word. Number three, it only involves that which is good and holy. Proverbs 16, four tells us the Lord works out everything to its proper end. So God's will for us is good God's will for us is holy because he wants us to be good and he wants us to be holy, at least as holy as we can be. For God's commanded will for us is specific uh, or uh, for those of us, uh, Don Bolin uh, people, uh, his God's commanded will for us is specific. He struggled with that all the time. It involves principles for living our life. Ephesians 5.17 tells us to not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and then continues with a short list of things to avoid. And there are other things on other lists there in Scripture of things to avoid. And there are things to, uh, to uh, uh, aspire to, things to work toward. And number five, all believers are exhorted to know, understand and obey all that God has revealed. And in all, those who've ever sat in the class with me, all means all. Not some. The problem with Christians today is we have a tendency to want to pick and choose the scriptures that we want. Uh, There's a pastor. His name is Rob Bell. He has a church. uh, uh, he wrote a book, God, uh, Love Wins, and he talked about, and the basis of the book or the, the, the basically the subject of the book is that there is no hell because God is love and, uh, and he would not condemn anybody to hell. Uh, he's become the new guru, uh, pastor guru for uh, Oprah Winfrey. And there's a YouTube video out there. And uh, Rob Bell and his wife are talking with with uh, Oprah. And she asks, when is the church going to begin to embrace 
homosexuality and transgender and all of these LBGD, XYZ, ABC, QMD issues. And Rob Bell's wife said, well, first we have to get past those letters written 2000 years ago. Now, this is not a condemnation of people because I would have to be condemning myself because the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. One sin isn't greater than the other as far as God is concerned. We think that they are sometimes. But the same people that condemn someone for uh, for homosexuality is the same person who is okay with their children living with someone another not being married. So. A lot of people tend to call it as they see it. But all believers are exhorted to know, to understand and obey all that God has revealed. Again, First Timothy tells us that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching. It's there to teach us. And that's why it's there. So if you want God's commanded will summed up in a proverbial nutshell, he gave it to us. We all know what this is. It's the golden rule. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What's, uh, the, what's the second one? You should love your neighbor as yourself. That's the hard one. But there's two key words in these two scriptures. And, and again, all in love. In other words, we are to give all of ourselves over to the Lord Jesus Christ and we are to love him and our neighbors as well as we love ourselves. All. And this is where point number two becomes a problem. We can resist and disobey God's commands. As we all too frequently do. I mean, it's like, sure, Lord, I love that neighbor over next over to the north of me. But the neighbor on the other side. You don't know him like I do. I know I should love that coworker, but. I know it. I know I should love my wife, but. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, unless you really detest yourself, then uh, then detesting your neighbor, I guess, runs right up your alley. But if you don't detest yourself and, and the Bible teaches you that you shouldn't because you're creating his image, then we should be loving our neighbors, even the ones that we don't like. But it's hard. What is really encouraging for Christians is that God, through his word in the Bible, gives us guidance, which is God's active role in our lives, accomplishing his purposes. In other words, God instructs. We obey. Let me repeat that so it can imprint on your brain cells. God instructs. Say it with me. We obey. I didn't hear you. God instructs. We obey. Now, next week, when all the families that are on vacation are back, you just 
Glad to see you back. Oh, by the way, God instructs, we obey. Psalms 25, 8 through 10 tells us, God, a good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. Now, this is in the psalm, you know, and uh, David wrote a lot of those psalms. And we know what kind of guy David could be. So how does God instruct us? Well, today, many Christians again claim that God continues to give divine revelations Again, like the TV preacher who tells his audience that God spoke to me today. Well, that usually ends with something like this. Sow your seed in my ministry and God will multiply it back to you. Okay, word of advice. Don't send them a dime. Some guy says, sow a seed in my ministry and you're going to get tenfold back. The only one who's getting anything in his pocketbook is the guy. Asking to have the seed sowed in his direction. And, of course, again, like like we touched on before, there's a movement to listen for the voice of God. All we need is that quiet place, pen and paper, and you just wait and you listen long enough and God will tell you what to write. But the reality is, is that God doesn't reveal himself audibly anymore. Again, God is not whispering in anybody's ear. Uh, The word of God is complete. It's done. In Jude 1.3, we read, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to, uh, to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which has once and for all been handed down to the saints. In other words, God speaks to his words once and for all. Want to know God's will? It's in that Bible you brought with us today. Now, does God give us guidance? Does he? Sure, he does. It's what I call open doors. To help us find our way, you know, I I think he does. And I I personally experienced it. I mean, I have prayed for things, uh, you know, to be made known to me. I prayed for opportunities and God has opened doors. I mean, I've had strange, weird things happen. As answers to prayer. That would be unexplainable to someone not a person of faith, especially if I didn't share with them that I actually prayed about it. But like Rob and I were talking about yesterday in the hallway, people have a tendency when the door opens up, we pray for something, we pray for something. And God opens the door. and We walk up to the door like this and we look and we look and we we look out there. God, you got anything else for me? Lord, show me the will for me in my life. I want you to go to the mission field. Africa works. Okay, God, I want you to show the will for my life. Something else, please. Spin the wheel. Don't pray for God's will to be revealed to you in your life if you're not going to follow it. But let's break down the basics of God's commanded will according to the scriptures. Let's break it down. First, 
And I think all of us in this room, or I hope all of us in this room, I pray that all of us in the room have already done this. We are commanded to confess our sins and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. That's a command. This is the first step to all the rest. Because if you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, none of the rest, none of, it, none of, the rest of it's going to really make any sense to you. You're going to fight it, you're going to ignore it, and you're going to walk away from it. Because we cannot know, we cannot grasp God's will for us unless we are saved and have embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. We are commanded to follow after the teachings in the Bible. We cannot know the will of God unless we seek his will in his word. Let me repeat that again. We are commanded to follow after the teachings in the Bible. We cannot know the will of God unless we seek his will in his word. So, are we reading and studying God's word? Do we seek additional wisdom with good commentaries when scripture confuses us? How many of you have a commentary with your Bible? Anyone? Don't show your hands. This is rhetorical. And if you have, if you have commentary Bibles, you know, it's what, what you run into sometimes, especially if you're reading, reading the, the scripture and then, you're, and then you go to the commentary, is that how often, how many times is the commentary much longer than the scripture you just read? You spend, you spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes on the scripture, you spend another 30, 40 minutes on the commentary. But the commentaries can open up your mind and, 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 and expound upon what the Bible is teaching you. Assuming you have a good commentary. Are you doing that? And if not, why not? We are commanded to be baptized. Have you been? If not, why not? We're commanded to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you decide to, if you ever get around to it. Oh, hey, you know, if if the occasion comes up and you maybe want to pray, he said, when you pray. Well, that would be today, right? And tomorrow, when you pray. And on Tuesday, when you pray, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Are we are we praying daily? Do we pray for others? Do we bring our problems, issues and sins to the Lord? Do we confess them daily to him? Do we pray with others? If not, why not? God commands it. It's part of his commanded will. We are commanded to gather together to worship and to fellowship. That means we are commanded to attend a church. Now, I'm looking out and I see some empty pews, but I also know that we've got people in Washington, D.C., and we have a bunch of people in uh, Utah. We have people in Winona Lake, Indiana and Chicago, and we got some young man, I think, in or on his way to Columbus, Ohio, among others. Those those are the ones I know where they're at. Otherwise, like every Sunday, they would be here in their place. But we're commanded to gather together for worship and to fellowship. That means we're commanded to attend church. We're commanded to attend Sunday school. 
And are, and, and are we here every Sunday that we can? Not every Sunday that we want to be or every Sunday that we can get out of bed in time. Are we here every Sunday because we, we because, again, God commanded it according to his will? Or do other things get in the way? But do you come to church but not Sunday school? What are you missing? What can you learn? If you're not, why not? It's part of God's commanded will for your life. You wanted to know what God's will for your life is. Well, I'm helping. I'm helping to nail some of these things down. Some of the more uncomfortable ones. We're commanded to share in the Lord's Supper. Do you come to communion? We practice threefold communion. Not everyone does. If you don't, why not? It's part of God's commanded will for you. We are commanded to give to the work of the ministry. Do we support our ministry here financially? With our money? Do we support it with our time? Do we support it with our efforts? That's God's commanded will. For us. And for not, why not? We are commanded to share the gospel to those we know, our family, our friends, our neighbors. That's because God wants sinners to be saved. Do you know anyone who denies Jesus Christ? We all do, don't we? And those are generally the ones that are most uncomfortable to talk to. Unless you're people like Rob or Ron or me. and Those are the ones we want to talk to. Hey, come on down. Let's have discussion. Because that's what gets those spiritual uh, uh, juices flowing. It's, I don't know if you realize this or not, but when you share the gospel with somebody, especially some hard-hearted unbeliever, you know, you walk away from that. Uh, you walk away from that blessed. Now, I don't pound them over the head with scripture. That's not my style. I'll touch on scripture. But I just basically use their arguments against them. To try to bring them to a, to, to a place where they can logically be, well, you know what, maybe he's right. Because if you can get to someone to that point of maybe he's right. That's the first chink in that hard heart. Do you know anyone, uh, do you have friends who attend or attended a dead church? I mean, we all know people that used to attend church. Well, I used to go to church. Or one preaching another gospel. Like the, uh, the uh, scripture from Jeremiah was talking about. Don't believe those people. Have you talked to them? Have you invited them to come, to, to come fellowship with you? We have empty seats here every Sunday. And the way to fill these seats isn't necessarily what happens in the pulpit. This is the end result. But the way we fill seats in the building is that we collectively, the collective we, reach out and ask those people, network with those people, and invite those people who we know are spiritually dead, 
or spiritually disaffected and, and invite them to come to church. Because if there's one thing we can say about this church, Pastor Jeff preaches from the word of God. He preaches solid, foundational, biblical Christianity. Or do invite him to a Bible study. Do you go to a Bible study? And again, if not, why not? All of these things are part of God's will for our lives and they all of them are doable. God wants our best. We're commanded to do those things I just shared and more. But because God's commanded will can be resisted, it can be ignored. And sadly, too often we ignore it. Are we giving God our best? Or are we just simply making excuses? And if we are, why? I think if we're honest with ourselves, there are issues in our own lives that we can, where we can do a better job. I know that's true with me. But too often we don't. We resist. We refuse. Again, the scriptures make it clear there are no spiritual shortcuts. We take the shortcuts. But that's just our resistance to God and his perfect will for our lives. So let's give God our best. Let's seek his will. Let's put it into practice. Let's start doing that today. Let's pray. Father God, we're just so thankful that we can come as a group of believers. We just pray that each and every one of us in this room can be encouraged, can be uplifted, that can have their issues and their prayers met in accordance to your will. We pray that you encourage us to constantly and daily seek after your will and to apply it to our lives. We pray for those family members that are traveling uh, away from here at this at this time. We pray that they have a wonderful time, a time of rest and relaxation. And, and we just pray that they have a safe journey coming back home to us. We pray for our family members who are not saved. We pray that we have the the desire and, the, and, and are encouraged to share the gospel with them. We pray for the neighbors that we don't like. We pray that we might be encouraged to begin a process of loving on them and getting to know them better. Because sometimes what we might discover is they just need someone to love them back. We especially with Pastor, uh, Pastor Jeff and Lisa as they're still traveling. We pray that they become refreshed. And that they have a time of opportunity to, to connect and, and just be together uh, at this time. Lord, we just pray for all of these things. We pray for all the ministries that our church has uh, going right now. And we just pray that your will be accomplished in all things. And we pray that we follow after your will in all things. Because, Lord, we know that all means all. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're looking at the clock, it's exactly 12 o'clock. Happy Father's Day. Go out and spend the day.